I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is The Call on a Friday afternoon. Wonderful to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney. Well, we've got 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests on the 20th of December. So we've got June Bay Lu joining us from Tribeca Investment Partners and Adam Dawes from Shaw and Partners. So this is a bit of a dream team, as yeah. I've said before. Hey, June Bay, hope you're well there. Um, what do you make of market performance overall this week? Because, you know, despite all the headwinds, despite the uncertainty, it looks as if we'll be finishing, uh, well, relatively flat for the, or actually probably about three quarters of a percent higher. Yeah, look, the market actually has been very reasonably performing, and particularly given we had have had some really poor data, right? But right now, what markets the bad data is good data. So, if all CPI in Australia simply indicate perhaps the rate rise is be as bad. Um, and also, same as the uh, Powell speech uh, in the US as well, talk about potential for pivoting, which is slowdown in the interest rate increases. Uh, they're still going to go higher, but a lot better. So with all that together, investors certainly turned more positive. And this is also combined with China potentially pivoting with the, um, you know, with a zero COVID policy, not pivoting, but at least they're loosening and changing, uh, softening their stance towards the uh, controlling the infection. So, um, you know, all of that together is actually pretty positive news. So hopefully we'll see the market sort of gradually grinding into Christmas. Our Santa Rally. Yeah, are you riding the Santa Rally, Adam? I'm riding every wave that this market is giving me, absolutely. I don't know, Jumbay, there was some decent uh, economic news out this week. Inflation numbers for Australia, fantastic, starting to potentially tick down. And I think that's what also the market, and we've got non-farm payrolls tonight, tonight yep. in the US, which is going to be a big number to sort of keep this rally moving in the right direction. All I want for Christmas this year is to make sure that when we go on holidays and last year the 6th of june was the top of the market and i, I thought last year went perfect i'm gonna have a fantastic holiday came back and the market had fallen and, and the world was in a different space so all i want this year is for us to have a good christmas rally and then hold that rally until we get back in sort of february time hold hold hold, hold. i've got yeah. mel gibson in my mind when it comes <laughs> to yeah what we want from this market all right let's find out if we're going to buy hold or sell any of these stocks zero <laughs> treasury wines a2 milk wisetech and macquarie all coming up but the stock of the day is beach energy and i picked beach because it is you know indicative to a large degree of what's been going on this year you know energy has been uh, one of the key stories but also, we've talked about consolidation in the smaller end of the oil and gas space here in Australia for quite some time. And so we've got this bidding war, I don't know if you've heard about it, going on for this WA-based company called Warrego Energy. So Beach has increased its takeover bid for the company to 25 cents per share after Hancock Energy put a bid on the table yesterday at 23 cents a share. And there's another bidder in there as well. So. You know, there's no other changes to the terms of Beach's initial proposal, but it's realizing that it's going to have to pay up if it wants Warrego Energy. Jim Bay, you can see that chart, what the share price has done, doing very, very well today. What does Warrego have that Beach Energy needs? Look, Beach Energy has had a lot of production issues um, in the last probably six to 12 months. And uh, so, which means for a smaller energy company, it needs to increase. Um, it's reserve and so that it can translate to higher share prices because the energy price is so high. So this is what it wants. Um, and, um, you know, quite frankly, um, I think it's reserve and, uh, you know, certainly need to, um, you know, really need to get their hands on this and really take advantage of current high energy. So, yeah, this, that's pretty much it. My view of beach energy is very much derivative of what's happening with the oil, uh, oil market. Um, my view of the oil world is, uh, I think, in the short term, uh, that with the China reopening news, might do okay. But um, you know, market probably just as they close. 
Okay, Jube, we actually missed that. I'm going to ask you to dial back in uh, to see if we can clear up that line a little bit. And I'll, but, but was that a buy, hold, sell? I'm, I literally hear it. Okay. Uh, so that was a hold. A hold, yeah, yeah. I didn't think that you were going to be going out and rushing to buy uh, Beach Energy. Okay, hold it if you've got it. Beach yeah. Energy. Yeah, it looks interesting. And I guess it really goes to WG, WGO as to how much they're willing to pay for this. The stock's at around 28, 29 cents, the mm -hmm. bid's at 25. That means the market thinks that there's going to be more competition mm -hmm. going into that and the bid is going to go higher. So really, it's up to Beach how much. They they obviously started at a fairly decent, I think it was 20 cents. I think they started then 23 and then 20. So yeah, um, look, Beach has always been a tough one. Um, I think that they've done quite well. Uh, I think they took over the Lattice Energy businesses from Origin uh, a couple of years ago. That really sort of accelerated that overall growth. But they look, they're certainly sit sitting in that sort of second tier line there for me. So I'd be on hold with Jumbay on this one if you've got it. Obviously, they're going to have to pay up. I don't know whether that's uh, going to be debt or um, how they're going to pay for it. But yeah, I think all of this consolidation is going to happen. There's going to be more of these mid-tier uh, oil and gas guys that are going to get chomped up. So it's going to be tough. Soon, if Origin obviously goes off the boards as well, look, there's lots of play in there. And certainly our energy is very much needed around the world. So uh, we've got some great assets that uh, people can buy. So hold for me on Beach. Okay, interesting. UBS says it as a buy, Morgan's as an ad, and we've got a buy from Citi and Credit Suisse as well. <laughs> in terms of beach energy but that's a hold for both of my expert guests here all right let's get to the companies that you have asked us to cover and first on the list is zero so yesterday i was reading adam that mm. city put out a note saying that intuits which is also a software accounting Correct. firms uh, results did really well they're not through. seeing any reflection yep. uh, of an economic slowdown so yep. they read through that that's still sort of really positive for yeah. for zero yeah we saw the same report okay. and it looked really really good so and we saw zero yesterday jump really mm -hmm. hard as well i think three or four dollars from that sort of 70 dollar base uh and went higher i think zero obviously i've been a fan of zero for a long time and really comfortable the market did sort of write it down a little bit that some of their subscriber base in the US and the UK uh, weren't as high as what they expected it. So anything, if anything in a growth story, that story has to be that they have to beat those numbers on a regular basis. So it really says to me that zero is going to continue to do well. If you look at revenue for zero, it actually is continuing to go higher where the share price has obviously fallen back down. So I think this is an absolute steal down here at sort of $75. I'm really comfortable with it, really comfortable to buy it. It's just that you're probably going to have to wait six months to 12 months as interest rates start to level out. Confidence starts to come back into that tech space. So it's a bit of a longer play, maybe of a contrarian view at the moment. But certainly zero is my number one pick in the technology space. Are you frustrated, as some are, that it's not putting more of a focus on becoming profitable and slowing down some of its spend to go for that growth? Uh, I think any tech company needs to spend to grow. Uh, so, no, I don't think so. I I'm comfortable with what they're doing. It just has to translate into re reoccurring revenue and subscriber numbers. And that's where they fell over, that subscriber numbers. So I think the market just needs to be a little bit careful about that. But it's got some phenomenal numbers going out to 2024, 2025. It looks amazing. So it's, it's probably one to stick in the back pocket on the mm -hmm. bottom drawer, give it six months, and it should definitely pay dividends for you. Jinbei, what do you think? Do you think that zero is a steal at around these levels, in Adam's words? Look, um, I, can, I hope you can hear me better now. Yep. Um, so zero, um, I think it's, uh, I always believe you, with a growth company, you work out a price, an absolute price that you will buy. For me, it's $80. Anything over, under $80, just like what Adam said, is a steal. Um, you know, this company is a multi-year growth story. Uh, and, um, you know, this business is growing not just Australia, not just domestic market. There's UK, there's US, enormous addressable market. And they're showing market share gains being incredible. And that also what they just started doing is putting up prices. Um, and, uh, you know, they charge almost nothing. And then when putting up prices, um, they, they will generate enormous amount of cash flow very, very quickly. So, you know, this is an absolute buy, but agree with Adam. 
um, you know, the, the challenge at this point is that, um, you know, there is a bit of worry about the UK because of exposure to UK. If UK goes into recession, what does that mean for the small SMEs? And we have never really seen zero gone through recession, right? Like, you know, none of the economy has gone through recession. Australian economy hasn't for a long time. So we just don't know how the SME numbers might show up. So it is a market share growth story. But if that UK market is going through significant challenges, um, then the, it, you know share price might be a little bit weaker. But net net, I do believe on a 12 month view, um, this is an absolute steal. That's the first double buy of the day. Let's see if we get any more from our expert guests, Junbei Lu and Adam Dawes. And just a reminder that this is information only. This is not financial advice. You need to do your own research or get advice if you need it. Let's get Treasury Wines going. This is for Reese. Uh, Jim Bay, I'll start with you on TWE. Do you agree? It's done a fairly good job of negotiating a new landscape for itself after China cut off its uh, imports into the company or country, I should say. Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, you know, we've been a strong supporter of this company for pretty much for the past two years. This is a very strong brand business, um, and it's uh, it has markets other than China now. It used to be a China story, um, but now it has demonstrated its ability to sell it and you know uh, uh, reallocate a lot of those to other fast-growing Asian market. US is doing well; it's picking up quite quickly with the economy reopen. Um, Australia is doing well as well. And what's uh, uh, and and this company has very strong balance sheets, going to grow at more than twenty percent and for a multiple of just over twenty times. So it's not expensive, good balance sheet, very strong. Uh, sort of brand and um, you know it's 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 something that could even be a takeout target there's also something on the side which is a blue sky and uh, which is you know potential improvement uh, in in terms of relationship between Australia and China and uh, you know there's a hope that if um, you know if, if that relation doesn't relationship does improve, the tariff could, tariff could be lifted, um, as China have done with the European tariff uh, many years ago uh, when they had the trade conflict. So, um, you know, all, all that together, this company is very well valued. It is a definite buy and it's very defensive as well in terms of growth. Okay, so $13, well, close to $14 no. now. Is this a, we'll, a steal? We're going to go double buy on this one. Two of them. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with a buy just to start with to yeah, put it yeah. out there. However, I do have some kind of warning signals with this one. Obviously, wine is a discretionary spend. Yeah. Maybe not well. in some households, <laughs> but it, it, it maybe not in my household either. Okay. But wine is a discretionary spend. And certainly the higher margin wines is very discretionary. So I am a little bit concerned about that um, those high margin channels with consumer discretionary spending being impacted by higher raising co- rising costs of living. So that that pressure I think is going to happen or will continue to happen on TWE. So something like that just need to be a little bit careful. Um, the other side of it is volume growth has been fairly low, or, or, or the, the the amount of premium wines have sort of slowed down a little bit in the last quarter. Again. Um, I think they know how to manage their inventory. They've done very, very well. They've got lots of uh, US assets now, cellar doors, those kinds of things, which I think those headwinds will be a a bit of a problem for them, but I think also they'll continue to do well. So overall, uh, Treasury Wines, fantastic business. They've done really well. They've got that Penfolds brand, which, you know, is a gem inside of everything else. So yeah, it's a buy from me. Just be a little bit careful on some of that consumer discretionary stuff. Okay. Well, you're buying it, so that's what we need to know. That's Thank right. you. A2M, A2 Milk. Uh, Adam? Well, yeah, another buy from me. Poof. Yeah, A2M. I mean, but both TWE and A2M are the, the dogs of last year. Yep. And it's <laughs> it better hurry up because this year's about to finish. But uh, certainly I think that, you know, these are definitely for re-rating to the higher level. Obviously, A2 Milk had did get the USDFA approval to sell uh, their infant formula into America, and that has certainly allowed them to broaden their market uh, somewhat. And that's what I think the market is getting really uh, comfortable with on that earnings impact. We expect A2 Milk earnings gross margins to be just a little bit lower at the start because of the distribution costs that they're going to have to pay to get that product over to the US. But once those supply chains issues have worked out, I think this is going to be very, very beneficial. It's a buy from me, A2M. Bay, would you be buying A2 Milk? I know that short interest in the company has been rising. 
Absolutely. Look, look I'm, I'm definitely, definitely by, and uh, and uh, we got lots of uh, agreement today, Adam. And uh, so, no, it's, it's definitely a buy. And uh, just like Adam said, said the earning has gone through really challenging periods. Uh, and now with the reopening taking place in China, um, yeah, and the, the inventory has already gone through the uh, gone through the channel. And uh, you know, stock looks good, pricing looks good, market share gain looks good, um, and share price recover a little bit, but still, there's a long way to go. Um, you know, uh, the balance sheet. Is very strong, sitting on net cash, um, and you know, so uh, the, the trajectory is a, it's in an earnings upgrade mode for you know reasonable multiple. Now there is a little bit of risk at this point is because the license is up for renewal, the license for selling in China for the Chinese label product. But um, you know, so far there's been good indications of about. Uh, or good communication about you know what might happen, then you know seems like they should be able to get it early next year. So it's a buy. Got it. Thank you. We've got Ooh. three double <laughs> buys on this program already. Our producer Jack is going to be losing his mind. <laughs> All right, let's get to the next company on the list, and this one is for Katrina Wise Tech Global WTC. Adam, yeah, a tech company, one tech company that's been pretty resilient, relatively speaking. Absolutely. I think just on price action alone, I'm going to say it's a hold okay. if you've got it. I'd just be a little bit careful. This one did so well when all the other tech stocks yeah. were getting absolutely beaten and it was all about supply chain issues and and, and the world was pretty much frozen. There wasn't, wasn't stuff going around. There was nothing moving around. And I think that's what uh, helped Wise Tech for their technology to move things you know backwards and forwards and getting that right. But you look at that chart, it, it's, it's trying to punch above that $58, $60 level. And every time it gets up there, it just sort of holds and then we'll, we'll, we'll go down from there. So there's a big resistance line there. On price action alone, uh, I'd say potentially take some profits here. Um, but if you hold it, it's a very good company. Uh, it, it's had some earnings upgrades. I think it will be able to maintain that. So it's a hold or a sell to take some profits. Got it. Um, Junbei, what do you make of WiseTech Global? Because you're in the business of making money. Do you think that there's much more upside left in it? I'm with Adam. Um, I, I'm, I definitely think if you hold it, you'll take some profit. But you probably want to wait till the first half result. So the first half result will be very strong. Um, I think, you know, you still probably have another 5-10% with the first half result. Um, aside from that, though, um, you know, I do think this company almost trading at all time high, done really well. It will be used as funding source for others. And most recently, when they did have that proffer um, you know, the AGM and the proper guidance sort of confirmation, um, you know, share price went down. So that is an indication that the expectations are very high for this company. So after this first half result, um, I think, you know, this share price potentially will be hurting, hitting some soft patch um, just simply because the expectation is so high. Um, there's no room for error. Oh, we're into reporting season talk already, are we? Boy, let's just let's just get through the we summer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is wise tech. I'm going to call that a hold. And we will have yeah. that caveat that, you know, you could sell, take some profits, but we'll, we'll go with Junbei's, yeah, um, you know, information there that we should wait until that first half result comes out. Okay. Making executive decisions around this place. Um, I'm going to start with you, Junbei, for the next one, which is Macquarie. Um, let me just see who this is for. I hope you're listening out there, Millie. This is Macquarie Group and Junbei Lu's eyes. Yeah, <laughs> the company actually, it's, it's the best bank amongst the Australian banks, that's for sure. Um, it has very good growth profile and its business, um, it has a lot of its business in the long duration assets like infrastructures and like. So, you know, in a world where, um, you know, we're talking about the interest rate expectations uh, will start to uh, start to move to the other direction now, it actually works really well for this company. It helps with the valuation for all their assets. Um, and the M&A activity we do expect to pick up and that will be really good for its capital markets. Now, on the another side as well, the, the commodity um, price, energy prices, volatility has done incredible for this company and they will continue to see those taking place. So all of that combined, Macquarie will have really good 12 months um, and it's actually underperformed, um, you know, for the last Last, uh, probably last three months or so. Um, and it is, uh, it's, it's a very, very strong bank to hold in the portfolio. Yep, all, all, all everything that Jumbe said, I agree. Um, yeah, for me, I think overall, um, there's been a fair, there's been some macro backdrops that haven't been in favor for Macquarie, rising interest rates, inflationary pressure, and then weak markets as well. 
and you can sort of see that 180 level it's going to probably try hopefully if it does punch above 180 then we're on our way to 200 dollars again but i think this thing's just going to move sideways until second or first half of 2023 once we get some more in uh, understanding of some of the backdrops that they've got their private market business is doing very very well and their commodities trading business is doing very well so there's always you know, Macquarie always can pull levers everywhere just to make sure that they make money and they do very well. I think 180, I'd be happy to hold it. If Technically, if it does get over that 180 mark, uh, you will see $200 again. So that would be the buy signal for the breakout of Macquarie above 180. But I suspect it might fail from here and just tra uh, trade in a sideways pattern. So I'm comfortable to hold it. Okay, so uh, not going to shoot the lights out, but it's a stalwart yeah. of well, a anybody's portfolio. portfolio. Yeah. It should be in there. There's no doubt about it. Um, what about the other banks right now? Yeah, so Commonwealth Bank at 108 or something, 107 looks pretty expensive. Yeah, would uh, you be taking profits? Nobody does, I know. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, so no, we, 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 I've actually suggested a couple of portfolios last week and, and a couple of clients actually listened. Okay. They said, yeah, look, you know, uh, let's, let's take some profits. So where do you put it? Um, I don't want to go anywhere near the regional. So it would probably be A and Z on um, the, the, the better of all the four um, if I was pushed. But yeah, it's a tough environment for the banks. They've really underperformed over the last six months compared to the energy stocks, the material stocks and all those kinds of things. So it's, it's been a tough six months and I don't think it's getting any better in the next six months for the banks. So that's it. It's a tough place to be. Okay, there you go. Jimbe, do you have a view on the other banks? I know that Macquarie would be the favoured one, but uh, we're sort of in this competing environment of rising interest rates, which we know, uh, although it looks as if we'll start seeing the brakes being tapped by the Reserve Bank Board and yeah. still a very competitive environment when it comes to, to the banks and economic slowdown too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Thank you. Uh, so moment is uh, in the condition where it's as good as it gets um, probably another three months of good numbers like good margin and things but consensus already putting analysts already putting all the expectations into their uh into their numbers already and then yet to nobody has really factored slowdown um and banks are very geared uh sort of instrument in the economic slowdown uh, sort of environment so you know you have one more good result and after that it's going to be quite challenging for the banks um you know and then look i think in the last three months um, um, you know, I think one of the month, it's October, they all went up something like between 10 and 15%. Um, that just, you know, you know the share price will start drifting lower. CBA is the most expensive, but it's the best run. Um, but look, it's a, we are facing into a slowdown. Um, you know, it's ANZ is probably, I, I will probably go there, but it is just because it's cheaper. Um, but I just think overall banking, um, you should start going to neutral to underway now. One last good result, that's it. Thank you. Neutral to underweight. I like that terminology. It's just very clear picture very in my fun mind. Manager. Yeah, yeah, very I, fun know, manager. I know. <laughs> we go around. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get a bit of a review. We're just whipping through this show on this Friday, which I'm fine with that. So let's get to Beach Energy, which was the stock of the day. It was a hold for both of my guests. Look, not anything bad about it, but. Um, just a potentially limited upside from here. It's very much a reflection of what's going on in the broader macro environment as well. First on the list that was a double buy from my guests, uh, zero. So uh, revenue is continuing to go higher. Adam calls it a steal at $75, around about there, and Bay agrees. The next on the list was Treasury Wines. Again, that's a double buy. Um, Looks strong balance sheet, and Bay likes when things aren't too expensive, and she thinks that there could be, you know, a, a re-rating coming through, particularly if we start to see an easing in tensions coming through from China. Adam was a little bit meh when it comes to the economic outlook and uh, just, you know, whether or not we're going to continue to buy, particularly those expensive wines in a slowdown, but he still would be buying the company. And both also would be buying A2 Milk. Again, look to China, look to, you know, the U.S market and uh, in an upgrade cycle uh, for earnings at least. Now WiseTech it's a hold for both of my guests although you heard them say that there will be a time to take some profits from this uh, tech company that's performed very well even through this year and Macquarie it's a hold for both of my guests. Best in bunch uh, you heard what Jumbe just had to say about the rest of the big banks and uh, Adam's getting some of his his clients to lighten up on Commonwealth Bank, for example. So that is the first half of the program done and dusted.
get you across the investment committee. We are having a new episode, I believe, coming out on Tuesday. So we'll get a portfolio update then. Heading into it, we've got uh, seven group uh, was added last time around. We trimmed mineral resources. We increased the weightings of JB Hi-Fi and West Farmers. And so how's it all panning out? Well, the fund is up close to 11% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March the 1st. What do you think? Not bad. Not bad, 10%, eh? 10%, hey? Yeah, it was That's a bad really year. That's really good. That's yeah, fantastic. and there were times that it was negative, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see that Domino's, uh, they've got 2.5% in there, but Domino's yesterday raising some cash yeah. to buy the rest of their German, um, I can't call them restaurants. Can I call them restaurants? Um, operations. Operations, yep. uh, yeah. Um, it really perplexed us why they're raising that money. They didn't really need to raise. They've got enough debt. They've, I mean, they could actually do it, but it was an interesting move. So something might be going on at Domino's, and I'm not too sure what, but it was an interesting way. They may be preserving capital for something else or further acquisitions down the track. I'm not too sure. Jim Bay, do you have any view on Domino's? What's going on there? I mean, it did come out with a profit warning not too long ago. Um, raising for something else but the good thing about domino is that there is a lot of rest of the world uh, markets where they can expand into you know we saw three months ago they did gone into taiwan and things so you know um and um and i think it's also this company has been so heavily shorted um you know yesterday that raising um you know giving such a tight discount um probably was supported by a lot of short sellers um and um you know it's uh, it's it's a long-term growth story um, and it just, I think it just want to, you know, clear out some of the short sellers, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. we will, um, we'll keep our eye on Domino's. Keep sending your requests and keep the call switched on because when we get two companies that are a double buy, they go to that investment committee and we've got three to put on the table the next time they meet. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Carl Kapalinga is king of the charts and has made a bold call. If this thing hits 7,600 again, I'm going to go fully to cash. His finger is at the ready. I've got my finger on the button. Will he or won't he sell it all? Right, 7,600, I'm going to cash. That I've decided. Keep watching the call as we track the index and Carl's big call. Carl's big call. I just think that's great. And uh, just to keep a pulse check on how he's going with that big call, 7,319 is where the local market is at today. It's off by about half of 1%. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that one, as well as number six to 10 on the list today, Rio Tinto, Money3, Drone Shield. Prosper and the beta shares Australian top 20 equity yield maximizer or WiMAX. So let's start with the stalwart to Rio Tinto. This is for David. Hi, David. Hope you're watching or listening. I'm going to start with Jim Bay for this one. Uh, does Rio Tinto belong in every portfolio or is there a different way or different commodity that you're interested in? Look, um, you know, uh, tactically, um, I'm not sure if it's for every portfolio, but tactically, share price has a bit of upside at this point. It's underperformed at the other peers, such as BHP. Um, and uh, now with China slowly reopening, uh, you do have a good uh, tactical trade of you. Perhaps for the next couple of months, um, the share price will do pretty well. Um, it's not as expensive, and it has a good exposure to uh, the likes of iron ore and a lot lot of other things um so yeah it positioned pretty well it's a buy for me um and um and uh, you know do have to review uh, perhaps uh, in early next year you know when the global economy does slow down but when china opening up uh you know do want to get exposure to the content and jimmy are you growing in confidence it sounds like it you've mentioned it a few times 
Um, you know, it's an inevitability that China will open up. But are you sort of getting the sense now that authorities there will look to do it sooner rather than later? Oh, look, it's happening. So China is sort of economy. They will never come out and say we reopen the economy. They're never going to say that. What they will do is they have hints here and there. So, so far, the latest announcement a few days ago, they have said um, that they will, they have started punishing officials that have too harsh uh, sort of restriction controls. Uh, instead of previously, if you remember, six months ago, they were punishing officials for having too much infection. So, you know, that's a huge change in direction. Um, and to me, it's a first step of softening the whole COVID zero pro, uh, sort of stance. Um, and as a result, a lot, a lot of social unrest and things. So, um, yeah, I'm really confident it is coming through. It will be slow. Um, and, um, and then, you know, next year, as we're heading to, uh, to Chinese New Year, things will be a little bit slow. But by the end of uh, mid next year, we should see the economy opening pretty well. Yeah, interesting, because I was um, looking at a chart from CBA earlier today. Yeah. Vivek Dar does reckon, obviously, the reopening is happening. But interestingly, he thinks that the reopening is priced into commodities right now and that even when China looks to reopen and stimulate, he said it will be to avoid a hard landing. It won't be something to you know, really accelerate growth in a meaningful way in China. So, you know, would you be buying Rio Tinto now as a trade such as Junbei, you know, to, to take advantage of that initial reopening? Look, the, the last resource run started on the 26th of September this yeah. year right so we've already we've already seen the resources already moving you know, as as rightly pointed out it's already priced in a lot of that good news that's in there at the moment iron ore still staying over $100 copper is the one that probably is going to do a lot of the catch up uh, aluminium uh, has done well gold killing it now yeah, right gold now. absolutely going for it as well so I think Rio Tinto sits in that basket where it's nicely diversified. It does have a lot of those levers it can pull, certainly with an iron ore and then aluminium and copper and those kinds of things. So uh, for me, Rio's a hold. I'm going to uh, prefer BHP over that. I think BHP is going to do better over time due to the fact, yes, they're diversified, well, not as diversified as, as Rio, but um, they're diversified and they're moving into more future-facing kind of uh, which is potash, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think iron ore um, is going to be a tough one. I'm always concerned about iron ore in 2025 and 2026. People say to me, well, that's too far away to worry about. Mm -hmm. But uh, Simandu uh, in Guinea, they're going to be producing 100 million tonnes by 2025. 2026, there's going to be 200 million tonnes that are going to be coming out of that for China and basically all going to China. That takes out Fortescue uh, for that, you know, 155, 188 million tonnes. Rio does around about 320 million tonnes a year. So there's still a lot of iron ore that is needed, but that will certainly pull back on the, uh, uh, the commodity price of iron ore. What's really helped commodities is the US dollar coming off, and that's really sort of spurred that at this last sort of uh, uh, rally that we've seen in iron ore. Um, one of the things that I do like about Rio, they are starting to talk some green kinds of things or ESG. They did come out and say that they're going to spend $600 million to build two new uh, solar farms and some battery mm -hmm. uh, technology out in Pilbara as well. So I think that's really positive for them. But really comfortable with Rio as a business. I do have in a lot of clients' portfolios, but putting money in at 110 here with iron ore at 103, I'd just be a little bit cautious and it'd be a hold from me. But are you saying that at $45, $46 BHP is a buy? Yeah, again, that's that's tough. I think we've got another of this of this latest resource rally. I think we had another five to ten percent upside. So you could get another three dollars, four dollars out of BHP. And again, with Rio, you could get another ten dollars out of that as well. Um, but I just prefer BHP for more of that sort of diversification. Diversification, and it's just a little bit steadier. Uh, Rio's been, if you look back at that chart, Rio's definitely. Um, it, it's, it's been really, really volatile. So I think BHP is a better one. But yeah, at 44, 45, there's a little bit left, but uh, I think most of that commodity run has already happened. Got it. Thank you, guys. So Rio Tinto, we've got a disagreement of uh, sorts, I suppose, <laughs> happening over that one. It's very, very limp disagreement. <laughs> Let's get to the next company on the list, which is Money3MNY is the ticker code. This is for Patrick. Um, okay, so it has, I, I kind of sometimes get confused between this one and Money Me. Money Three. Yeah. This is the lender. The lender, yeah. yes. So I think if you, if you take a step back and have a look at all of these businesses, they've all struggled. Mm -hmm. So any kind of lending, um, 
and, and especially for something like a motor vehicle or, or, or anything like that, um, I, I'd just be really cautious on that. Money3 um, has struggled on their share price and, and a, lot of, a lot of stockbrokers like this business because they will consistently have to come back to the market to continue to raise money. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when they raise money, that margin that they get or what they have to take is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So the margin isn't there for these kinds of businesses. And you can see with that share price, you know, it did have a bit of a heyday, it looked good, but now it started to come back. So I just, I think the cycle needs to change. I think interest rates need to be at their peak and potentially looking to come down. And that's when you buy these kinds of businesses, not while interest rates are rising or if we've still got another 50 basis points or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's the right time to buy it. So. Um, if you've got it, you're probably going to hold on to it because it's it's yeah it's 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 had its fall and it's now stabilising. So it's a hold from me. But to buy it, I'd need to see interest rates uh, on the way down or potentially the talk of interest rates coming off, and that's when you buy these businesses. Jim, is Money Three a quality company? Uh, I wouldn't call it quality. Um, I it was a well, it was a growth company. Um, I think the challenge is that, um, you know, when interest rate um, is going higher, um, a lot of those uh, little lenders where they don't control their funding, it's always going to be in a very tough spot because their margin gets squeezed. Um, and um, and then it will, because they have to borrow from the bank and the bank is putting up rates and then they have to lend it out. Uh, if they can't charge high rates um, in a slowing consumer environment, things are going to be really tough. Uh, also, now we're heading into, we know we're heading into a slower economic environment. So in that kind of environment, you'll have default rates that are going higher. So look, to me, it is a wrong place to be, no matter how cheap it is, um, earnings going to be challenged. Um, and um, yeah, look, it's going to be a very tough spot. Okay. I think you've also got to, be, got to be careful with this one is that um, bad debts, because they lend money out. Yeah, and, and it's then, for personal loans, yeah. it's for cars and boats and all of that so kind of stuff. So if you've got if you've got a you know a customer that's got higher pay, got to pay more on their mortgage. They got you know, and obviously the the car loan you you want to be able to pay that every time. But sometimes that might get forgotten a little bit, or those bad debt bad debt charges need to be really really looked after. So that's another reason why you're sort of in this environment where you don't want to be it with rising interest rates. Mm-hmm. Jumbe, but um, just to clarify, so if you if you had it, would you hold it or would you be selling Jumbe? No, you'll be selling it. It's, it's going to be back for the next 12 months. Got it. Thank you. That's money three. Let's get to Drone Shield. You're up on screen, Jimbe. May as well leave it there with you. So lots of promise, I think. You know, we understand <laughs> the technology. Um, but yeah, how's it going with its growth plans? Uh, look, that's a tough one. The idea is really good. Like you said, the, the, it fits everything in terms of the idea. Um, but, you know, as we have seen for so long that you kind of need lots and lots of contracts, a lot of, uh, you know, commercialization to really, um, you know, to show that this, 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 you know, this thing can go on to the bigger scale. Um, look, it's too challenging for me, too early for me. Um, but, the, you know, the idea sounds good, but I, I would be questioning it. Okay, so this one would be an avoid for June Bay. Yeah, we're, we're going to agree on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- th- there's a couple of things with Drone Shield that with a lot of these companies that have that US exposure or, or government exposure, you've got to be really careful because these contracts can take five, you know, five months, five years. Th- these things can take a long time to come through, which means that there's lumpy revenue coming in, which means if it comes in on... June 29th, they can book it for that year. But if it comes in, you know, sort of July 1, that means they can't book it for the year. And that means it's a loss or it's a, a downgrade for the business. So you've got to be really, really careful. We did see and hear about some, you know, uh, drones being sold and this technology being sold for the Ukraine war and those kinds of things. But overall, the US market penetration has been good and they've made significant strides to get into and establish themselves there. But these contracts take for a very, very long time. And hence why, as an investor, you would be mindful of that. Potentially, if you do see a good contract coming from the US, then you would buy it. You might miss out on the first 2 to 5% upside, but then you might get some further revenue coming in the door. But overall, uh, this is a too tough, too high risk for me, and it would be an avoid. Yeah, and I mean, to the point about some of these contracts coming through, the most recent one that's been announced to the ASX, and it was for a international government agency, but yep. not clarifying which one. I mean, it was for 
a million dollars. Like that's yeah. not huge, no. and I'm not being you know no, facetious. No, it's just it's, it's you've got to have a lot of of these million dollar orders to come through. Yeah, and especially when you've got a market cap of ninety seven million, right? So mm-hmm. you're not really moving the dial. It needs to be it needs to be substantial, uh, and that has to happen. Plus, also they do a lot of R and D, uh, which means their cash flow is going to get depleted very very quickly. Mm-hmm. Then they have to come back to the market. Hence, you see more dilution coming through. Uh, on the share price as well. So yeah, just be careful on that one. Jimmy, when it comes to these smaller early stage companies, we, um, you know, do you have a blanket rule or a rule of thumb as to which ones you would find more attractive, less attractive, or is there some sort of a, you know, a, a, a rule of thumb that you only invest in companies that do what? Look, um, a lot of time is, um, first of all, you have to siphoning out the super hot stocks um, in those early stage ones. Super hot probably means that, you know, you um, a lot of upsides being priced in. So you tend to be to be a bit more, should be a bit more skeptical about those investments. Um, but my view is that, um, you know, there is a time to invest in those stocks and that time is not now. That time was when interest rate was almost at zero, real, real interest rate was negative. Um, you know, when all the central banks didn't want to put up any rates. So when the money was free, pretty much. Um, yeah. And at uh, that, that point of time, and these companies potentially can um, be a speculative um, a sort of return generator, but now it's not going to be the case. And interest rates are not going down anytime soon. We will stay at reasonably high interest rate for a very long period of time. So, you know, on that basis, it certainly seems, um, you know, these sort of companies that you really have to be sure um, that they're going to make it because a lot of them won't. You're probably like with something like 5% success rate uh, of a lot of early stage companies. Do you, Adam, spend quite a lot of time with your clients sort of batting away some of the suggestions that they bring to you when it comes to these little specky companies? I think that's half our job yeah. is, is to say no or remember that one that we were talking about or remember that one you wanted to go into or remember that one, you know, we, we didn't invest in. I think that, yeah, absolutely, that's half our job. With these small caps, you've really got, there's a couple of things that I look for. One is management. They need to be uh, invested, so they need to have stock in the game. So they, they basically their fortunes are aligned with your fortunes. Mm-hmm. And there's too many times with these small cap businesses where they come in and we see over 300, 350 companies a year at Shores. Uh, they come in and then we ask them, how much skin in the game have you got? And they're like, oh, I just get paid a wage. And yeah. it's like, well, no, we'll just walk out because you want the management to be, plus also it, it, management, it should there be their only job. We see a lot of directors with two or three directorships on different ASX boards, and which means that they're only spending 30% of their time on this business, which we don't want that. We want 100%. So management is key to these small businesses. The second thing is, is also, is, there, is that manager from the initial phase from development or is he an ASX uh, director, you know, because a lot of these businesses will have the idea, the director brings it up and they get listed, but he's not the right person to be market facing, to be talking to us and getting the, the right story out there. So it needs to be that right director that can have all of that sales technique as well as uh, being able to tell the story correctly. And there's a lot of, and no offense, but there's a lot of boffins out there that can't really talk, talk their own stock up. And so that's really difficult. So management is key. And then getting access to capital is another key. Mm-hmm. Generally, these businesses don't generate a lot of revenue, if, if none. And every time they come back to the market, they have to have a successful track record of raising capital. And if they can't do that, then the business will stall as well. So there's lots of pitfalls and you have to keep an eye on these small caps. Uh, it's a tough environment, and I agree with Jumbay that now is not the right time to be dipping your toe into some of these small caps. Got it, thank you. I mean, I do love small caps, but I get it. I get there's a time and a place. Prosper is the next one on the list. This is for Julie at PGL, so small business lending. Jumbay, is there anything more attractive about Prosper than Money3 for you? Look, it's similar, it's probably a bit cheaper, but the thing mm. is, um, uh, and um, that's the challenge. Uh, you're in that lending space. Uh, you know, you, you're stuck in the tough spot. Um, and that's why they, they all look incredibly cheap. And next 12 months, there's so much unknown about where the bad day might go. And these companies can get wiped out because they all uh, offer their products such, at a, such competitive pricing to compete with the, uh, you know, the banks and everyone else. And then while they're not in control of the funding. So, yeah, it's a very tough spot, I would According to Jumbe, are you guys agreeing on this one, yeah, Adam? Yeah, of course we are. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the whole sector that you'd just be wary of because of having to raise capital. Uh, it's going to have to be done at a discount. 
dilution happens and you know those bad debts but Prosper's in a different position as far as that it's a non-banking financial institution so it doesn't have a, a an APRA license yep. so but it still can lend money but it, that 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 whole sector is littered with these like Liberty Financial, um, Pepper Money, Resimac. What's the other one? Yeah, they're all out there. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of competition for that small to medium enterprise business, or even that lending space as well. Um, funding costs uh, need to be mindful of how how these businesses are going forward, and certainly their margin or their NIM um, needs to be increasing, and that's at the moment it's been a little bit tough for them as well. So I'd be a void on this one. And in fact, it's a void for the sector um, at the moment because I just can't see yeah, interest rates falling any time yeah. soon. Well, we've been told this. Well, I mean, well, not necessarily here, yeah. but we were told by J-PAL pretty much yeah. that they'll remain higher for longer. Well, they'll, they'll, they'll go up into restrictive territory, which is very close, and then mm-hmm. they'll come down a little bit. The market might get a little bit excited because interest rates are coming off. But really what they're doing is just bringing it down to a neutral level where the economy can potentially uh, stand on its own two feet. So, yeah, th- these ones you have to have you have to have a vision that I'm going to hold this for the next 12 to 24 months. But I think you've got plenty of time to really look into it and, yeah. and make a decision. And that chart was not crash hot either. No. Okay, so let's get to the lucky last on the list. This is the mouthful beta shares Australian top 20 equity yield maximizer. It's an ETF. It's not really Junbei's bag, but I will start with you here because you've talked about the uncertainties. You've talked about you know needing some defense as well. I mean, h- how important is it to get some yield in this environment, Junbei? So yield is great to have, but uh, as a longshore manager, which is you know very active investor, we tend not to go after yield. But look, you know, for a normal retail investor, yield is very incredibly important. But it's very important to have actually have a look at what is in that top. But, you know, the, the yield that they're sitting in, um, what you're looking at is essentially you just getting exposure to the banks and the resources um, because they're the biggest, biggest player um, and in that whole space. So, you know, at, at, for the time being, it's reasonably defensive. But, you know, on a 12 month view, uh, things might get a bit tougher. Banks will get a little bit tighter um, and next year as we head into economic slowdown. We just talked about banks as probably topped out in terms of prices, especially the CBA. The CBA is a big part of it. And then you've got the resources will do okay. Um, until you know economic slowdown does take place, uh, you know in in perhaps by the March quarter. So all of that together, probably is on a top month view, um, that index is probably not going very far. Um, that that's my view. So for me, um, you know, I, I just pick an yeah. index. Well, thanks for playing along, anyways. So what, what do you think, though? Because you do utilize ETFs do. in portfolios. Yes, yes definitely. Uh, so just breaking it down a little bit and to, totally to Jimbei's point here, that the, the, the um, a sector allocation is 43% of is in banks and mm-hmm. finances, 21% in materials and 11.2% in healthcare, right? And then energy and everything else going forward. So if it's, if it's not in financials or materials, pretty much that's 60% of the, 65% of the uh, portfolio. So that you're very much exposed to that. And then going for that, BHP is 15% and Commonwealth Bank is 15% of the overall exposure. So you're heavily yeah. weighted to that. Now these guys target the top 20 ASX stocks. So we're ASX top 20. So anyone can buy the top 20 mm-hmm. stocks for dividends. I mean, I yeah, I, I sort of see. Uh, the other thing is the, the fee on it isn't too bad. The MER is not too bad. So you're okay with that management fee of 0.59. A um, little bit expensive, and why is it a little bit expensive? I hear you say um, it is because they write call options over okay. stocks to generate further income for clients. Now, they, those call options are usually one month or three month call contracts, so they're not too expensive, but there would be a fair bit of premium that would be received. Now, do I put an 80 year old grandmother into something like this? Probably not, because they don't understand. Uh, synthetic or call options mm-hmm. that so it does raise the risk of the overall uh, product even though you say well it's a top 20 dividend fund sounds great on the headlines but just opening up the bonnet a bit you've got to have a look and see what's inside of this and some of those call options obviously can go wrong and that would be a detriment to that so I'd be careful with the investor that I would put into this and I would make sure that they understand all of the underlying factors before we go ahead and do it Overall, distribution looks pretty good. Yield is 9.6 plus franking is at 12%. Mm-hmm. Like it, it sits up okay uh, around here. 
Um, for me, it'd be a uh, hold only because I would be careful about who I put these uh, investments in and I would make sure that they understand call options, call positions or, or derivatives before we put something into that uh, going forward. But um, I'd say it's a hold just on the yield alone. It yeah. looks pretty good. Okay, got it. Um, look, I'm going to ask just a bonus question of you, Jim Bay. Question without notice, my apologies, but I was thinking about you earlier this week when Aurora Biosurgery, I always say it wrong, um, reported, it's half yearly report. Uh, what'd you make of it? Oh, it was amazing, incredible results. Um, look, we can see this, uh, it's result of a few, usually one month ahead when we hear it's the, uh, it's distributors result uh, in the US and it's been incredibly strong. It continued on its, uh, you know, good um, earnings trajectory of recovery um, because remember during COVID things were shut down. So it was a really good result. Um, and, um, you know, I always use this one, compare this one with the, the likes of Polynovo. So Polynovo, came out raise some money and um you know trying to shore up the balance sheet um this one is growing much faster and have all these great um you know indicators of how things are going in all the hospitals around the world um you know it's a long-term 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 vibe yeah got it so it's aroa biosurgery i always say it wrong arx is the ticker code Look, that was a good program. Let me just sum up what we have learned. So Rio Tinto, uh, Jumei would buy it, but it's a tactical trade as China slowly reopens. It has been the underperformer, so she does see upside in its share price. Adam's a hold on Rio Tinto. He thinks BHP is and will be better over time because of its uh, its diversification. Money three is a sell for June Bay. It's just not the time to be investing in these companies. It's a hold for Adam if you've got it, but basically it's not the right time to be buying any of these companies in that space. So I'll hop ahead to Prosper and it's an avoid from both of my guests. Um, Drone Shield as well is an avoid for both of my guests. This, this program was almost like a tale of, <laughs> of two cities. Uh, and then we've got beta shares, the yield maximizer. A bit of caution there because of the call option strategy being used. And Jumbe just doesn't see why you would need to buy an, e an ETF to, to get exposure to any of those banks or resources companies. And uh, yeah, goes to her way of investing. Hey, Jumbe, thank you so much for joining us today, giving us all your insights. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great fun to be here with myself and with Adam. Thank you. Yeah, great. Great show. Adam, thank you. Yep. And uh, you're going to be joining us for the, we've been calling it the last, 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 last call, call for 2022. I would not miss it for the world. It's okay. going to be fantastic. All right. I'll go finish up my work so we can have yeah, a drink. Absolutely. Okay. See you then. All right. Thank you for watching or listening. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet to us at TV. And you can check out that portfolio, ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Stay with us. We'll get you across the small caps next. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.